0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Reading Materials podcast, a podcast where two friends read a book and then discuss it on the show. My name is Cory,
1: And my name is Lucia.
0: And how
1: are you? I'm doing all right. Thank you. We are recording this. It's October of 2023, and mm-hmm. I don't know how it is where you are, but here in Ireland, we're experiencing a bit of a heat wave. So mm-hmm. it's 22 degrees outside. Gee. Kind of gray, though, like the sun hasn't come out but it feels nice, you know?
0: Yes, I couldn't tell you what the temperature is, but I can definitely see that it's sunny out there. Mm. So, yeah, it's been been quite unseasonably warm here too.
1: Exactly, yeah. So, hoping to enjoy the last couple of days of nice warm weather before autumn fully kicks in.
0: Yeah, although I do love autumn.
1: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, me too. I love all the seasons, to be honest. I, I don't have a favorite, so... <laughs>
0: I don't like being too hot, so...
1: Yes. And how are you in general? You've been having some... (sighs) Troubles. um, Surviving. Mm -hmm.
0: We've been quite unwell in our household, just between viruses and not not the virus, Mm -hmm. but yeah, Edward's been sick, I've been sick. I discovered I'm allergic to penicillin since having a baby and have only just really started being back to normal after about three weeks of misery. So, yeah. But I'm still sounding a bit croaky. I'm not sure if that's going to be picked up on the recording, but that's why. (laughs) And, yeah. But I'm... I think, as is often the way when you've been unwell, experiencing a new revived joy and vigour for life because I was prevented from doing all the things I wanted to do.
1: Mm. Yeah. It's only when you get sick... That you start to really appreciate what it's like to not be sick.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. I was thinking, I was coughing at one point and I was just like, why don't I appreciate it when I'm not coughing
1: yeah. more? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I don't really have much news at this point. You know, life is same old, work, Yeah. read, edit.
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, would you like to tell us what
1: we are reading? Absolutely. Yes. So today we are going to be talking about The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. I don't know why, but I thought she was a British author, but she's not. She was born in Boston in the United States. And she studied at Brown University, where she did a bachelor's and master's degree in classics. And she started writing The Song of Achilles during the final year of her bachelor degree, and apparently it took her 10 years to write. She has always had a deep interest in Greek mythology and the classics, and she taught Latin, Greek, and Shakespeare to high school students. She did a PhD, I think, Mm -hmm. at the University of Chicago and at Yale. So she's written two full-length novels, up until now. The first one was The Song of Achilles. It was released in September 2011. So it's, I wouldn't call it old, but it's definitely not, you know, recent by, let's say, our standards. It was an instant hit. It won the Orange Prize for Fiction, the the year that it was released. And on the copy of my book, it says it was also the winner of the Women's Prize. Mm. And after that, she released a second book called Okay, if you pronounce it the English way, Circe. If you pronounce it the Greek way, Kyrki, Uh, That was released in 2018. And she's had like novellas or like short stories published since then. And currently she's working on her next novel, which will be about Persephone. Which I'm guessing is the Persephone from Hades and Persephone.
2: Yeah.
1: So, yeah, there's a bunch more stuff. She does... Greek retellings or like retellings of Greek mythology, and she puts her own kind of more modern twist to it, I suppose. So the Song of Achilles obviously is about Achilles who was a Greek hero and he was one of the main characters in the Iliad. And Kirki kind of flips the Odyssey on its head because the Odyssey is about Odysseus and his journey home, and Kirki is a character in that story, but she decided to write It from her point of view. So it's like a a female retelling Mm -hmm. of a Greek myth. So yeah, that's all I kind of found out about her. Did you read anything else?
0: Nice. I read a thing about, uh, on her website, there's, her website is really good. So if Mm -hmm. anybody's interested in finding out more about her, have a look on there. But it was basically talking about how the thing that most people know about Achilles is the whole Achilles heel thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was an amusing anecdote there about how there's a theory that Achilles' mother, who was Thetis, mm-hmm. who was a god, uh, dipped him in a river to try and make him invincible. And she held him by that heel. Mm. And that's why that was his one weak point, because that's where the water didn't penetrate yeah and when she used to tell that story to her high school students they would all immediately go but why didn't she just double dip him and hold him by the other heel or why didn't she just come back later or yeah there was i thought that was really amusing like a little bit of context for teaching classics to high school is probably quite interesting yeah (laughs) and she also started learning latin when she was 11 which is Mm. nuts to me
1: yeah it is yeah i remember when i was going to school in Belgium. We did have the option to, to learn Latin or ancient Greek, and I always used to think, in what way will this ever be useful for anyone? Oh <laughs> If
0: only you had taken up Greek, you would have been so Maybe.: much... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe Although is
0: ancient Greek di- different to: It is.: It is. Yeah.
1: Although Andreas keeps telling me that it's more similar to like Cypriot, so oh. who knows?
0: Anyway, should have, would have, could have, we'll never know now. Yeah,
1: exactly. So maybe tell me now what you you had just told me before we started recording, so that the audience knows.
0: So I haven't, I'm listening to this book, and I have not listened to this book because I still have an hour of it remaining. But Lucia and I had to postpone this recording several times. We're a week and a bit ahead of, uh, behind where we should be, I think. Is it a week and a bit? Yeah. Because... I was ill and then various things happened. So I was just like, right, I'm not going to reschedule again. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: I've read the synopsis and I know what happens, but I haven't actually read the book part of it, which is slightly frustrating because, well, we'll no doubt discuss it in great detail later, but it was a very necessary part of what was quite a long, drawn-out section of the book, that mm-hmm. I have now missed out on. But I'll finish it today. I just just ran out of time.
1: Yeah, sure. That's fair. Okay, is there anything else that you want to add about Madeline Miller or anything before we dive in?
0: Uh, we will be spoiling the entirety of this book. So if mm-hmm. you haven't read it and you want to, then I would suggest you pause now, go read the book and come back later.
1: Yes. Cool. So I will read us the blurb. I'm going to read the blurb that's on the back of my book, because for once I have a physical copy. Before you do... Yes? Why did you pick this book? Okay, yes, of course. Why did I pick this book? So it's been on my TBR list for a few years now. I have read Kirki, and I quite enjoyed it. It was on the recommendation of my friend Jess. Uh, I quite liked it. I wasn't super blown away. But, you know, it was fine. It was like a four-star read still. And... I had heard about The Song of Achilles, and it seems to be quite universally loved, I think, as a book. And everyone keeps saying that it's one of the most devastating love stories that they had ever read. So I was curious to know, okay, what is it about then? So that was really the main reason. And I had been looking for an excuse to read it, and I find that unless I put it on my to-do list of actually putting it on the podcast it will probably get forgotten on my shelf so yeah. that was why
0: <laughs> right
1: yeah this is the blurb from the back of my book which is a bloomsbury ed- edition i think it's the 10 year anniversary edition mm-hmm. the song of achilles by madeline miller greece in the age of heroes Awkward young Prince Patroclus has been exiled to the court of King Peleus. Despite their differences, Peleus' golden boy Achilles befriends the shamed prince. As they grow into young men, their bond blossoms into something deeper, despite the displeasure of Achilles' mother, the sea goddess Thetis. But when word comes that Helen of Sparta has been kidnapped, Achilles must go to war in distant Troy and fulfill his destiny. Torn between love and fear for his friend, Patroclus goes with him. The end. Very good. So, tell me, up to the point that you have read, what are your initial thoughts?
0: So, I was... I really didn't get what it was trying to do for a while. Mm -hmm. I admit, at this point, a horrible lack in my education when it comes to classics. I've not read the Iliad, I've not read... The Odyssey, I don't know, apart from Disney films, which mm-hmm. are, it's basically Hercules, and that's completely, I can't even find, I think Hercules is meant to be Heracles.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. So my knowledge of the classics is terrible. So I really had no idea, apart from knowing the legend of Achilles' heel, what, or what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. And I found the beginning a little bit meandering, mm-hmm. and then there was a bit where they were on the mountain, which I really, really enjoyed, mm-hmm. and then they got to Tro- to Troy, mm-hmm. and again, I started finding it a bit slow and meandering, and then the bit that I just got to, it's really started picking up. So I think I've probably been sitting on a 3.5 slash 4 stars until I got to this to, to now, and I think it'll probably get upgraded,
2: mm-hmm.
0: because... I feel like uh, having had a fair amount of time whilst lying next to Edward, not being able to listen to the book, but being able to think about it, the bit that's relatively boring when they're in Troy, I think it's supposed to be like that because it's like 10 years of war, which isn't actually going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And now we're finally reaching the resolution and I think it's been really well done. Mm -hmm. So, yes, yes. I don't know if that is a good
1: answer, but it's an answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about you? I think very much the same. So I remember studying, you know, or learning about ancient Greece back in school and like the Greek gods and everything. Yes, I've also seen Hercules, the Disney movie, but I've also seen Troy, the movie that was made with Brad Pitt and all those people. So most of what I know is from the movie. And obviously, the movie took a lot of liberties with the original text. I have not read the Iliad myself. I don't think Andreas has either, but they definitely would have studied it in more depth in school. And just before we started recording, I did skim through the synopsis of the Iliad on Wikipedia just to see how close it is to the retelling that we get in this book. And I think she did quite a good job. I think Based on what I've read, she definitely hit the most important points. Uh, she might have changed like the timeline a little bit, but I don't think it really matters. So I went into it knowing how it was going to end because I had seen the movie. So I also agree that maybe the first 60 to 70% kind of dragged a little bit. It was very meandering... I didn't really, I really wanted to get to the action is what I'm trying to say, basically. Mm. And even once we get to Troy, as you say, they're there for 10 years, and nothing really seems to happen in that time. Yeah. So but once it picks up, it's a shame that you didn't finish it. And I hope that you do get to finish it because I think the last 20% really saved it for me. So I was hovering at a three stars. I've Bumped it up to four. I don't think I'll give it a five, just because it was a little bit disappointing in in some ways. But I think in general, the prose was really nice. I think it's written in a really nice style, and yeah, I really liked the ending. So those would be my general thoughts.
0: Yeah, I think I did not know what was going to happen.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I was I knew that Achilles was going to die, but I didn't know that Patroclus. Patroclus was Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and I think it would bear a reread from me now knowing what happens I think that would enhance it rather than detract from it Mm -hmm. whether or not I'll ever have the time to do that although I do reread books a lot so who knows Mm -hmm. (laughs) re-listen yeah so shall we how do you want to discuss it
1: yeah I really don't know yeah maybe let's go through the characters yeah so tell us about Patroclus
0: so I'm I'm not going to get any of these names right obviously because not only have I are they spelled funny for a british person but also I have listened to it rather than actually reading it so I can't remember any of the names. Mm-hmm. So Patroclus is the son of a king and his simple wife she is described as so she's she's basically described as not not being all there mentally and the king was kind of tricked into marrying her because he never saw her before they got married, and that was because her father didn't want him to know that she, that she was simple. So Patroclus is described as being much more like his mother than his father, so he's a bit of a disappointment. He's not particularly worrisome. He's considered to be a bit stupid and not really understanding what's going on half the time we meet him basically as a suitor for helen and he's like nine or ten years old at the time and his father is so convinced that because his father do you know what the father's name is no no because his father is such a great warrior etc etc he basically proposes to helen on behalf of patroclus by saying you'll marry my son, but you'll get me, Mm -hmm. essentially. And obviously that doesn't work, not because, just because of the way that Helen's marriage has been arranged anyway. But we basically just get the feeling that Patroclus is this huge disappointment to his father. And he then accidentally kills a boy. So he he has a pair of dice that he's playing with and this boy sees him playing with the dice and wants them. And Patroclus, for one of the first times in his life, decides to stand up for himself and say, no, you can't have them. And because he's the son of the king, he should be respected. But because he's Patroclus himself, he's not. So this boy starts to get a bit aggressive. And Patroclus pushes him and he hits his head on a stone and dies. And killing another man's son is verboten. Mm-hmm. in in this it's ancient greece isn't it mhm and so patroclus is exiled and what's the word i'm looking for excommunicated his father no longer lays any claim to him mhm and so he goes to thia sure <sighs> where achilles and his father are and he has met achilles before there was a tournament of some description and all the boys were racing and Patroclus wasn't allowed to take part in the tournament because he was feeble and unable and he describes Achilles as being this amazing physical specimen and he's really jealous and he really hates him Mm
2: -hmm. because
0: he runs this race and he wins and then Patroclus is holding the wreath that he is present that is presented to the winner of the race and the description of him like of the wreath being taken from him and given to achilles you you kind of get the whole impression that he's like super jealous and super angry that his role seems to be holding things and then these things keep getting taken away from him so then he ends up where achilles lives and we'll probably talk about it more later i'm getting a lot into depth here he eventually manages to befriend Achilles by a complete accident. And Achilles is really, all of the other boys want to be Achilles' right-hand man. And so suddenly Patroclus is, and it completely reverses Patroclus' fortunes.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And he suddenly finds himself as part of Achilles' sort of aura without really having any idea of how to handle that. And then eventually they they go off to a mountain. We'll talk about this probably in more depth later. But they end up being lovers, and and then they go to Troy. Uh, what else is relevant to Patroclus himself? He seems quite. He's the main. He's the narrator of the book, but it's he's quite a diminutive character. Like he's he really held, holds no value in himself. Mm-hmm. He's always talking about the value of other people and other things. Mm-hmm. And not really appreciating who he is, which given when you then google Patroclus, he is described as one of the Greek heroes, oh like okay y- yeah I was I suppose because he does eventually die at Troy, mm hmm but yeah i i was i just really he's he's the least main character main character I've ever come across, I think
2: mm-hmm. He's
0: almost like a conduit for the story and then suddenly he becomes the main event.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I know what you mean. I really felt for him at the beginning and it, it was also, you know, when we first meet him he's he's really only just he's just a child. Like he's 5 years old or something and his father wants him wants him to propose to Helen who is considered the most beautiful woman in all of Greece at the age of 8 when he's inevitably going to be compared to grown men and their accomplishments. So he's kind of set up to fail from the beginning. And I think his father, you know, has these high expectations of him and probably, well, not probably, but definitely sees him as a disappointment. But at the same time, he's setting such high expectations that are probably not really achievable for an eight-year-old in the first place.
2: Yeah.
1: And I think we even get the revelation that, when Patroclus kills the other boy, he doesn't even it doesn't even occur to him that he could lie or that he could yeah. say it was in self-defense or, you know, come up with any kind of excuse. And that that is what actually shames him in front of his father, the fact that he immediately confesses yeah. and doesn't try and get out of it. Because yeah, probably if he thoughts... had, I mean, he is the son of a king. He probably could have gotten away with it. Yeah. But because he ultimately immediately says, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely did it. I pushed him and he hit his head and I killed him. Okay, well, then you can't really argue with that. Yeah. So, yeah. It really is a shame that you didn't read to the end because despite the fact that he sees himself as not really being worthy and that he, that he keeps talking about the other heroes of the age... He is referred to as the greatest of the Mycenians. Did you yeah. reach that part? No. Mm. Okay, so near the but end. But I
0: also I don't want you to think that I didn't like him. He was he was by sh- you know, like I I am really gutted I haven't finished it because mm-hmm. I was like right we're finally getting to the redemption here and of of the two of them I have I got the impression that he was always I liked him more than Achilles. Yeah, he was I think he, the greatest hero.
1: Now the reason I'm bringing up the end is because it's coming back to what you were saying the fact that he doesn't think much of himself. Yeah. And he's just a conduit for other people and their glory. At the end the prophecy is that you know the greatest of the Mycenaeans will die within 2 years and everybody assumes it's Achilles but it's not Achilles, it's Patroclus. Patroclus is is considered the greatest at that point because he actually gets to know all the men in the army when they're in Troy. He is the healer. He heals so many of the soldiers. And even, at least my understanding of the ending was that he is basically telling Thetis, who is Achilles' mother, their whole story because... When Patroclus dies, he, well, Achilles states that after Achilles dies, he wants to be cremated and he wants his ashes and Patroclus's ashes to be buried together and to be mixed in one urn so that they will spend eternity together. But I guess the way that things worked in ancient Greece or like their belief system was that unless you had an actual headstone with your name written on it, your soul wouldn't actually progress to the underworld. So after Achilles dies, their ashes are mixed, but only Achilles' name is written on the headstone because everybody considers Patroclus a nobody. And so his soul remains on Earth and can't pass to the underworld. So he's telling their story to Thetis in a way to try and convince her that their love story and their love is so great that they should be together in the afterlife. And she is the one who then writes his name on the headstone. And then his soul can pass over. And the last scene of the book is when their souls meet again in the underworld. So I think the whole book is basically supposed to be what he's telling Thetis, is how I kind of understood it. Right,
0: understood. Yeah, okay, fine. I was a bit confused because I stopped just after he died. Mm -hmm. and I was a little like how is he still narrating the story he's he's dead now Mm -hmm. that makes a lot more sense
1: yeah so basically everything that happens after he has died is his soul still seeing the things that are happening because he he's not allowed to to cross over so fine yeah so I thought it was a a very powerful way to finish the book and to make him really be the main character he gets his main character energy back is what I'm trying to say (laughs) (laughs)
0: Excellent.
1: Yeah. But I agree. I think I liked him more than Achilles. I think he was more nuanced. There was more depth to Patroclus, I think, than to Achilles by the end.
0: Yeah. Would you like to tell us about Achilles?
1: Yes. So, Achilles is the son of Peleus, who is a king of an island in Greece, and Thetis, who is a sea goddess. And as with most things, you know, she was brutally raped by her husband in order to yeah. conceive Achilles. So yeah. she hates humans, and rightfully so. So Achilles is, when we meet him, he's a young boy, and he's destined to become the greatest warrior or the greatest hero of Greece. There is a prophecy about him being the greatest warrior. And so everyone holds him in really high regard. Which was a little bit problematic for me because I felt like he didn't really achieve much until he got to Troy. So all these stories about how he's the greatest Greek were, well, he hasn't really proven himself yet, but, you know, I'm skipping ahead. Mm. But despite the fact that he's the most popular boy on the island, he seems quite down to earth. He seems, you know, relatively friendly towards everyone. He doesn't lord it over anyone, the fact that he's the most powerful and I've actually forgotten how he becomes friends with Patroclus. So Patroclus
0: stops going to... It, oh, yes. it comes out that, that he killed a boy, so all the other boys start shunning him, and he stops going to training. Mm. And then the training master gets cross, so Achilles comes to tell him that he's going to get into trouble, and Patroclus says to him, well, why don't you take me to your lessons? Mm-hmm. And then tell your father that that's where I've been. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he actually doesn't say, take me to your lessons. He just says, tell your father I've been with you. Yes. And Achilles is like, I don't want to lie. So he then does take Pat- Patroclus.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and then their friendship c- comes from there.
1: Yes, yeah, you're right. And Achilles basically proclaims Patroclus to be his, ooh, I don't know the word, but like, His companion or, like, his closest friend. Right-hand man. Right-hand man, basically, yes. Which means that they spend all of their time together. They they sleep in the same room. And they basically become inseparable. Which, back in the day, seemingly was a perfectly normal (laughs) thing to do. But, yeah, he's very gifted at playing the... Lear? lyra, Liar. Liar? Yeah, Liar which was a string instrument from Greece. He's a singer as well, and he's obviously quite gifted in the martial arts or like fighting with a spear, fighting with a sword. He is the fastest runner. He seems to run around everywhere without shoes on. And his ultimate downfall becomes his pride at the end. So while they're still children and while they're still teenagers... I think he's, you know, very down to earth because everything is still a prophecy. Everything is still in the future. But once they get to Troy and he starts to win battles and he starts to get a bit of a taste for glory, he becomes very prideful. And ultimately, that is what causes the chain of events that lead to the end of the book.
0: Yeah. And as always, these prophecies are self-fulfilling because... Mm. If they weren't trying to prevent the prophecies from happening, they wouldn't
1: happen. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the prophecy... I mean, there are multiple prophecies around Achilles, and they seem to keep popping up, but the first one is that he will become the greatest warrior. Then the second one is that he will be enlisted to fight at the war in Troy. If he goes, he will achieve glory, and his, his name will be known forever. If he doesn't go, he will be forgotten. And... He decides that he wants to go. Obviously, there's a catch. If he goes to Troy, he'll never come back. So he's kind of made peace with the fact that he's going to die in Troy. Yeah. Obviously, again, there's more to the story because his mother tells him, the fir- you know, Hector will die first and then you will die. So once they get to Troy, his whole thing is, Well, I'm just not going to kill Hector and that way I won't die. And why would I want to kill Hector anyway? He's never done anything to me. And as soon as he said that, I was like, Okay. Yeah, I see where this is going. <laughs> Hector will have to do something to make it so that Achilles wants to fight him, and obviously Hector is yeah. the one who kills Patroclus. So yeah. as you say, self fulfilling prophecy.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Hector is the other here, is the like second most mm. of great. So Uh, Achilles is the best warrior, and then he's the only person who can kill Hector.
1: Yeah, so Hector is one of the princes of Troy, and for those who don't know the story of Troy, Helen, whom we meet at the beginning of the book, who is considered the most beautiful woman in Greece, is married to Menelaus, and she is taken from Menelaus. We don't really know if by force or if she fell in love with Paris and they left... And she left of her own free will. We never really find out. But in any case, Paris is one of the princes of Troy. He takes Helen and Menelaus basically wants to fight against Paris to get her back. And there was a bit of a thing at the beginning of the book where all the men who were suitors of Helen uh, made an oath that if she was ever taken from her husband, they would all band together and fight for her. So that's why the whole of Greece unites to fight against Troy in this battle.
0: And it's also why, partly why Patroclus goes, yes. because he was also there, yes. so he had to make the oath as well. Yeah. And they try to argue that because he's been disowned, mm. that's the word I was looking for, because he's been disowned by his father, he is no longer the person who he was when he made the oath, and therefore the oath doesn't apply to him. But he ends up going partly, well, mostly because if Achilles is going, then he's going too. Mm but there's also that element of there's pressure on him to go because he saw the oath.
1: Yeah, exactly. So these are the two main characters. Yes. Is there any other note? Yes, there is. I mean, I think there is another noteworthy character.
0: I think there are two others that I, that I would like to probably add in here. So the mm-hmm. first
1: is, is it Chiron? Chiron, Chiron, whatever.
0: Um, so he's a centaur, mm-hmm. and one of the things about the king's... And slash princes is that they go off to do some training. And so Achilles' father, Peleon,
1: mm-hmm.
0: went off to the mountain Peleos. Yep. And trained with Chiron, who is hundreds of years old, He's older than Achilles' mother, even. And so Achilles goes to train. And at that point, Patroclus thinks, right, I'm going to run away. And so he starts following because they've... So before this happens, Achilles and Patroclus kiss on the beach and Thetis, Achilles' mother, can see everything that happens and she sees this and threatens Patroclus, basically. And then Achilles is stolen away in the dead of night. Patroclus wakes up and he's not there anymore. And so he i does he does he run away from the palace or does he follow achilles i can't remember
1: i think it's a bit of both i think he yeah. ultimately wants to run away but he definitely is running in the direction that he thinks achilles went in so
0: yeah okay <laughs> fine and so achilles has not gone straight to the mountain he has waited mm-hmm. hoping that patroclus will come so patroclus does come And then they end up on the mountain with Chiron, despite Thetis's wishes. She has informed Chiron that she doesn't want Patroclus to be with Achilles and Chiron decides to ignore her. And they spend three years on the mountain learning how to commune with nature. And they learn about the, you know, what mushrooms you can eat and how to fight and all of that stuff. And Chiron is their mentor and really the the most fatherly figure that they that either of them have, because he actually gets to know them and he doesn't just teach them about their destinies, he teaches them how to be mm-hmm. really. Mm. We don't actually find out that much about him, so now that I've said he's a noteworthy character and we need to talk about him, I'm actually struggling for things to say about him other than what Achilles and Patroclus do when they're with him, mm-hmm. but he is undoubtedly one of the sort of f- most formative figures in the boys' lives. They're a l- uh, fourteen when they go to him,
2: mm-hmm.
0: or thirteen or fourteen, and they're sixteen, 17 when they leave. Mm. So it's a really, really important part of their of their sort of upbringing, and then also, Thetis can't see what's happening on the mountain. And so the boys start up their relationship there. They become lovers, and Chiron very clearly must know what is going on, and he just lets it happen. He, he's not like Thetis, who is all threatening and mm-hmm. must not be together. And it's really, it's apparently very normal for the for for princes and their companions to be lovers, but then they're expected to stop being lovers, eventually, and take a wife, etc. And Achilles and Patroclus never do. Well,
1: sort of. Yeah, yeah. I think it yeah, it said that, you know, when they're still teenagers it's quite normal. But I suppose because one of the main things back then was, you know, keep keep the you have to keep the line going. So you have to father a son. So ultimately most men would have gotten married if for no other reason than the fact that they need to have a son who would carry on yeah. their name. But yeah, I agree. I think Heron is an important character. But yes, that we don't really know much about him. And I, I hadn't heard of him before. So I didn't know if he was made up for this story or if he's actually in the original myths. As it turns out, he is in the original myths. So he had trained numerous heroes. I think he'd trained Heracles as well.
0: And Philip Titus?
1: Yeah, which is why it, when it got a bit confusing for me because based on the Disney movie Hercules, yeah. Heracles is after Achilles. In this book, Heracles was before Achilles. I don't think it yeah. really matters, but anyway.
0: I don't think we should take our uh, history of ancient Greek Greece from
1: Disney. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's as you said, he's very fatherly. He's very knowledgeable about um surgery as well which which I found quite interesting so yes. he he teaches both of them how to you know treat wounds and which herbs are used for um as anesthetic or you know to to fight off infection all of which becomes very important for patroclus once they reach troy and he leads philosophical conversations with them as well you know making them think about what is right what is wrong so i think he's very important in terms of how he influences the boys as they're growing up and ultimately protects them from Thetis. He goes against Thetis's wishes to have Patroclus leave and he treats them as equals, despite the fact that Achilles is obviously the more skilled at pretty much everything. (laughs) I liked him. I liked that part of the book. I think it was, it was really nice to see how, how they interact with him, but also, you know, how their relationship Grows.
0: Yeah. And I think also, as I said, I found the beginning of the book quite meandering. Like mm. it seemed to be a lot of right kind of disconnected things that happened. And obviously they were connected, but there were quite big time jumps between them. So you get like the race and then Helen and then the murder and then he's he's at the palace and there seems to be great swathes of time where we don't really get what's happening. And suddenly we've got this kind of three consistent years where we get a lot of detail at the beginning and then it says a year passed and then mm. another year passed. But you but you understand what's happening and it's a, it's a lot more coherent storytelling mm-hmm. section.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I don't mean that from the point of view. I think the book is brilliantly written, but I think just from the point of view of pacing at this point, I found it much better.
1: Yeah, I think the beginning you know, was probably necessary because we need to set up Troy. So we need to explain why they all want to go to Troy. So we need to have Helen there. But it did feel a little bit disjointed. It did feel a little bit out of nowhere. Why would an (laughs) eight-year-old even be (laughs) proposing to to Helen? It was a little bit strange. So for me, then the next character that I'd like to mention is Briseis. I don't know if she was the one that you wanted to talk about. Yes, she was. So Briseis is a prisoner of war, I guess. She is Trojan, and she is one of the first women who are taken by force once the Greek army arrives in Troy. They how it comes about is basically they arrive in Troy and they don't immediately want to attack Troy the city, so they decide to go raiding. And they raid like the fields and the villages, and the idea is that they will take away the food source from Troy, force refugees to go into the city, the city will become overwhelmed, and then they will parlay. In any case, what they do is they pretty much kill all the men and they take the women as slaves. And... The women are considered prizes or like the spoils of war, so they're kind of put on an auction almost. They they put they're put on a stage, and anyone of the soldiers who fought that day can claim them as a prize. And it's pretty clear that Agamemnon has certain tastes, and he has a reputation for how he treats women. So is when Briseis, sorry, which is not good. No, exactly. Yes, it's, unless you did. Yeah, if you didn't get that, it's not good. So when Briseis is put on stage, Patroclus immediately wants to save her, so he tells Achilles to claim her, and Achilles does, and she becomes their first slave woman, but they don't harm her, they kind of let her basically live her life, they give her a tent, and she forms her own community of women, all of whom Achilles keeps saving from Agamemnon. But I guess this is a slight against agamemnon at the very beginning in any case she falls in love with patroclus and i think on some level the feelings are reciprocated i think patroclus does feel for her a form of love not the way that he does for achilles and ultimately it doesn't lead anywhere because he is loyal to achilles but he does consider, you know, if he ever wanted to have a child with anyone, Briseis would probably be the woman that he would choose as his wife.
0: And also, he he does say that if Achilles wasn't in the picture, then he wouldn't even be questioning mm-hmm. it.
1: Yes, and Briseis is very important near the end, because while, she, you know, 10 years pass, They're on the beaches of Troy for 10 years fighting battles every day, but it doesn't seem to go anywhere.
0: And it's probably worth mentioning at this point that Achilles is going to fight, Mm -hmm. and Patroclus is expected to, and he starts off not going at all, and then eventually he goes like seven days a week, and then five days a week, and then eventually not really, Mm -hmm. maybe one day a week. And he's always standing behind Achilles, and basically there in name only
2: Mm -hmm. so he
0: spends his days basically on the beach teaching her how to speak greek and like really getting to know each other teaching her medicine uh, you know when he's not when he's not treating the soldiers Mm -hmm. he's with her basically yeah
1: exactly and she's teaching him about her culture and you know showing him where to find certain herbs and mushrooms etc so they have quite a nice relationship i think yeah but ultimately what happens is that the war is dragging on, the soldiers are getting tired, Achilles has no interest in killing Hector because that means that he will then die. And again, one of the women who is taken, she is now claimed by Agamemnon. So Agamemnon is Menelaus's brother and he's basically the leader of the whole shebang. And he takes this woman, and a few days later, her father comes to claim her with a ransom, and we find out that he is a high priest in the temple of Apollo. And Agamemnon refuses the ransom. He doesn't give the daughter back. So Apollo curses them with a plague. The animals start dying. Hundreds of men die. The war is basically put on hold because nobody's in any fit shape to, to fight. And after nine days... Achilles speaks to his mother. His mother confirms that it's uh, Apollo who's been doing this and that the reason is because Agamemnon had insulted the priest. So Achilles, in front of the whole army, basically tries to convince Agamemnon that he needs to apologize, give the daughter back, pray to Apollo, and the plague will be gone. And Agamemnon refuses. And this is when two very proud people cannot get rid of their pride and everything goes to hell. <laughs> yeah, Because Agamemnon doesn't like the fact that Achilles is the most beloved soldier, that the, you know all the soldiers prefer him to Agamemnon. Achilles doesn't want to back down because he thinks he's right. So Agamemnon basically says, okay, I'll give back the daughter, but in return, I want Perseus. And taking another man's prize in war is considered hugely dishonorable. So Achilles agrees to this and he doesn't protect Perseus when she is taken, which really upsets Patroclus and everything basically kicks off from there.
0: Yeah, so it's a it's a basically a plot by Achilles to dishonor Agamemnon. And so Patroclus goes and tells Agamemnon that's what's happening. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And so what Agamemnon says, he'll give Briseis back if Achilles Mm apologises. And that's where the pride really kicks in because Achilles is like, no, I won't. But in the meantime, Agamemnon agrees not to do anything to Briseis, which is why Patroclus goes and tells him in the first place, because he then realises that if he does, it'll dishonour him.
1: Yes. Exactly. Yeah, it, it was very intricate about what level of dishonor yeah. is is still okay. But like taking yes. her is was already bad. But if he were to rape her, it would be even worse in the eyes of the soldiers. Not so much because yeah. he raped a woman, but because he raped Achilles' woman. So yeah.
0: And also, maybe we should add that Achilles, despite the fact that he's claiming all of these women, he's claiming them for Patroclus. Yeah. And Because they've seen him killing their family members and their, like, the people in their villages before they're captured, he basically stays away from them. So he has no real relationship with Mm. any of the women. Mm
1: -hmm. Most of them actually form relationships with the other soldiers.
0: Yeah, and go off and get married. Exactly,
1: and have children of their own. Yeah. Yeah, so then basically what happens is Achilles refuses to fight. So... He doesn't take Perseus back, he wants Agamemnon to apologize publicly, and he says that he will not fight in the war until Agamemnon apologizes, and he makes another deal with Thetis, his mother, who makes a deal with Zeus, and Zeus basically arranges it so that Troy keeps winning the battles, trying to force Agamemnon to realize that, yes, Achilles was the only thing that was winning them the war. Yeah. But it all backfires because Agamemnon is too proud to apologize. Achilles is too proud to go and fight. <sighs> Pride.
0: <laughs> yeah. And and then it starts becoming the point where the men know that Achilles is the one who is making them all die, basically, and they're about to lose. Mm-hmm. So Odysseus, uh, the three blokes come to the fire one night, basically, and they tell them the story about how the wife realizes that this king is causing dishonor and they're telling that while patroclus is there because obviously everybody knows that they're a couple even though they're not supposed to be and patroclus basically gets the idea that he needs to be the one to persuade achilles to start fighting otherwise there's going to he's going to be more dishonored than agamemnon by refusing to fight and save lives Mm -hmm. and that's how we kind of start Get into the rest of the book
1: right exactly yeah yeah and not just dishonored while he's alive but even after death that people won't remember yeah. him for his greatness in the battles before they will remember him as the soldier who let the whole army die because of his own pride yeah so he begs Achilles to go and fight to save all the soldiers with whom Patroclus is on really good terms because he's been saving them these past 10 years he knows them all by name To Achilles, they're just kind of faces in a crowd. He doesn't know them. And Achilles keeps saying no, that he won't go until Agamemnon apologizes. So Patroclus comes up with the idea of, okay, if you won't go, let me go in your stead. I'll dress up as you and I'll rally the force, basically. The soldiers will think it's you and this will boost morale. The Trojans will be so scared that they'll run away. And hopefully this will win us the war. So that is what he does. Everything backfires because the number one thing Achilles tells him to do is don't get involved in the fight, just be there. Don't engage, you know, stay on the sidelines. But I guess in the heat of the moment, Patroclus decides that no, now is the time for me to throw a spear. He kills one of the Trojan heroes and then he tries to climb the wall of Troy. <laughs> yeah. Was weird. I was
0: really confused by that bit. I was like, "Wait, has he been taking drugs? Like, what are what is going on here? I'm going to climb into Troy and single-handedly take Helen and that he gets knocked off the wall by Apollo." Mm-hmm. And then that vision of him returning with Helen spurs him on to climb the wall again.
1: Mhm. Yeah, Very odd. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was supposed to if if we're supposed to believe that the gods are doing this, if Apollo is the one who's, you know, manipulating him in some way for him to do this because it doesn't feel like something he would do, you know, as a logical human being.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: But ultimately he is killed by Hector, and I guess that's where you ended. Yeah. So he's killed by Hector, They bring back his body, Achilles is devastated, and he swears revenge on Hector. So then the next thing that happens is Achilles fights Hector, he wins, and he dishonors him because he doesn't... So he basically drags Hector's body around behind his chariot for days Ah. And he doesn't allow for the burial rites to happen immediately.
2: Yeah.
1: And he won't give back his body to his family. So it's, it's kind of the same thing that's happening with Patroclus because he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to let go of Patroclus. So for many days, Patroclus' body is just in the tent. And again, it's another way that the soul is trapped and it can't actually move on. Ultimately, Hector's father, the king of Troy, Priam comes in the middle of the night to beg achilles for his son's body and achilles gives him hector there's like a, a truce for a few days so that they can go through the the burial rituals that's when patroclus's body is also burned and achilles says that when he dies he wants their ashes to be mixed and yeah then he's then there's a few more days of battle in which basically Achilles is just waiting to die. He's He keeps fighting the next hero, the next hero, the next hero, always hoping that this will be the last fight. And in the end, what happens is he's shot with an arrow by Paris, so Hector's brother. So Apollo is there, and he basically breathes onto the arrow so that it flies true and it hits Achilles through the heart. Achilles is is burned, and their ashes are mixed. But Mm -hmm. Thetis steps in, and she's the one who says that they shouldn't put Patroclus' name on the headstone. Oh, right. But also, his son. So we we didn't mention this, we skipped over this part completely, because there's a part... Oh yeah, we have. (laughs) There's a part in the middle where Thetis steals him away, and she basically takes him to this island where it's just women, and he's living as a girl for weeks and is forced into marriage with a girl on the island with the princess and he gets her pregnant so by the time he dies in troy his son is already 12 years old and he's the next big thing so there's another prophecy basically about the son
0: it's kind of weird though because he is he is forced into marriage but it's not like he just kind of marries her and he doesn't seem to like really know what's going on. I think Mm. it's a really, it it kind of shows another part of his like just obliviousness to life. Like Mm. he's kind of like, oh yeah, we'll get married and we'll have sex a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And then basically just casts her aside and leaves her in complete agony. Mm. While Thetis then is like, well, I'm going to raise the child.
1: Yeah, so basically the son comes to Troy because the next prophecy is that that um, ultimately he will be the one who brings down Troy. And he's right. even worse than anyone. He is so entitled. He's basically Achilles by the end, but like times a hundred. So he has without no...
0: The in, without the um, impact of Patroclus. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Yeah, he has no humanity really. He only cares about glory. He kills Briseis, actually, is another thing that he does. So he takes her. Oh! He basically says, Well, you belonged to Achilles, you belonged to my father. So now, by right, you belong, you to, belong me. to me. And she keeps claiming that, but I never had anything to do. Like, we didn't have a relationship at all with your father. Yeah. And he says, well, I don't care. You were his, so I can do whatever I want with you. And he's 12, by the way, at this point. And he's talking about raping her. I mean, does
0: he even have the... Anyway.
1: Anyway, it's... (laughs) She tries to run away, and he kills her. So Perseus is also dead. Nice. Right. And he is the main one who says that Patroclus was a nobody. He was, for all intents and purposes, Achilles' slave. If they are buried together, it will dishonor Achilles. So he's the one who says, "No, they can't be buried together." Okay, you've mixed their ashes. I can't do anything about that because how am I going to, you know, (laughs) tell apart whose ashes are whose? (laughs) Separate them. (laughs) So okay, but we won't put his name on the on the headstone. Odysseus comes. He tries to convince him that it's the right thing to do. He doesn't listen. So then we kind of skip ahead. It's the end of the war. Like the Trojan horse is only mentioned in passing. It has nothing to do in the plot of the book.
0: Yeah, I mean I was really confused about it because the main thing I knew about Troy was the horse. And for some reason I thought that that was how Helen got stolen in the first place. But it's uh. not. It's how they get into Troy, mm. isn't it? Mhm. Yeah. yeah.
1: And yeah, there's nothing about Achilles' heel. Like, that is not how right. he dies. It has nothing to do with yeah. it, so that never comes up. And, yeah, basically they win the war. They kill everyone. Achilles' son kills Hector's son, who is just a baby. He basically bashes him against the wall. God. So they leave, and basically Pat- that's the kind of the end of the book, because Patroclus is still, his soul is still just meandering around. He can't cross over. He tries to speak to all the heroes, but nobody does anything. And after everything is done, Thetis starts coming to Achilles' grave every day. We find out that Achilles' son was also killed at some point because he stole Agamemnon's wife, raped her, and so Agamemnon's son killed him or something. In any case, that's when it comes out that he tells Thetis their whole story and she yeah. is the one who then and writes his name
0: so how long after achilles dies
1: hard to say hard like to i tell. think it must be months if not years but i don't think we get a real timeline of how yeah. long it is i don't know how long it takes for troy to fall after he dies yeah is is my answer okay
0: very good it doesn't really matter mm. but
1: so yeah that is then the end of the book
0: yeah and it's so I, I basically read all of that on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. And I think what I am really missing out on. So you again text me at 10 o'clock last night and said <laughs> it got me. Because obviously it's hugely emotional. And we've just thrashed it out and told the story that Madeline Miller has written. But the way that she writes it is beautiful. Yes. I mean, obviously, I've not read the end of it, but I could tell from the way that Patroclus dies that, okay, now we're getting into, like, the real gut-wrenching part of this.
1: Yes. I Yeah, I completely agree, because I had more or less predicted everything that would happen, apart from Achilles' son showing up. I did not see that coming. Mm. So I knew that Patroclus was going to die. I knew that... Her- Um, Hector was the one who was going to kill him and then that Achilles would kill Hector and then Achilles would die so I knew that they both died at the end Yeah, I did not know that Briseis was going to die so that came as a shock but yeah I think I agree with you it's more so the way in which it was written it was quite understated but it packed a real emotional punch Yeah, not even like the scenes of them dying but like Patroclus's thoughts afterwards and the the fact that he, you know, was stuck there and and he just wanted to be with Achilles forever. I think that was mostly what got yeah. me.
0: <laughs> and I think one of the things like I said when we first started recording I didn't really understand where the book was going. Mm. The it it is a retelling of the Iliad, but the thing that really makes it different is the focus on the relationship between Achilles and Patroclus. Mm-hmm. Which is never explicitly mentioned. It's kind of hinted at in a lot of the legends, and the Achilles heel legend only comes out like years, hundreds of years after the Iliad was written, which is why it's not included in the book. Oh, okay. The whole point of the story is the relationship between Patroclus and Achilles. It's 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 not to retell what happens at Troy because we all. In theory, although I don't mm-hmm. know what happens, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's where the way that it's written, in that kind of understatement, the least hit the least main character energy of any main character I've ever read really packs such a punch.
1: Yeah, it's never confirmed one way or the other if they were just best friends or if they were lovers. And I guess that's the maybe one of the reasons why these Greek myths keep being retold. You can Yeah. You can assign your own interpretation to it and nobody can really tell you one way or the other if it's wrong
0: (laughs) yeah and I think the reason uh, the reason she wrote the book in the first place if I'm remembering correctly was that she wrote a play and it was the impact of Patroclus death on Achilles where he kept him in the tent for days and days and days afterwards that made her want to write the story of their relationship Mm -hmm. because that was an indicating indication to her that it was that it was a relationship of a romantic type, not you know, just a companionship.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have much else that I want to say, really.
0: I don't either, really. I I really enjoyed it. I'm really glad we read it. Mm-hmm. It's very different to anything we've read recently. Mm, yeah. I want to read Circe, mm-hmm. Kirky, and I think I think I probably will. Want to reread this once I've finished it at some point, because I do think having a bit more of an understanding of the of the end will help with the pacing of the beginning.
1: I think so. Yeah, that was probably probably the thing that makes me not give it a five is the pacing at the beginning because it just yeah. takes us so so long until we get to Troy, and even yeah. once we're in Troy, you know nothing oh, it's really so happens. Long. <laughs> really. Everything happens in the last 50 to 60 pages of the book.
0: Yeah. It's the last, it's the bit literally that I have not listened to. Yes. (laughs) Apart from, apart from Patroclus' death.
1: Yeah. So do you want to tell us what we will be talking about next time?
0: The next time we will be reading uh, Strange and Stubborn Endurance by Foz Meadows, Mm -hmm. which I have already read like weeks ago because I got the order wrong. So I thought that this one we were recording after that one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we're going to have the opposite problem next time which is that I'm not going to remember anything rather than I'm not going to have actually read it
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's fine Um, (laughs) we'll manage
0: yeah and I think that's quite a long one just based on how long the audiobook was so
1: we might have to discuss about when we're going to actually record it then
0: exactly yeah because you're off on your travels again soon
1: I am yes Yeah. yeah okay cool so I think we can wrap it up there. Thank you yes. for this lovely discussion. Thank you, Edward, Thank for your you. input as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm very sorry about the interruptions at the end, but
1: That's yeah. Funny.
0: This whole juggling mum podcast work thing is quite tough. Not that podcasters work, but I'm also working. So mm. yeah. <laughs> I
2: <understand.
0: laughs> Cool. But Edward just thinks that a load of people live in our house. My parents, you.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: they so yeah. cute. Lovely. Lovely.
0: Alrighty. So. Well, I will talk to you next time.
1: Yep. I'll talk to you soon.
0: <laughs>
1: Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about us and the podcast, visit our website at readingmaterialspodcast.com. We also publish additional content, including blog posts around the world of books and our thoughts on the topic. If you'd like to get in touch, email us at reading.materials.podcast at gmail.com, or find us on Instagram at readingmaterialspod. Until next time, keep reading.